Welcome to Hope Ahead, where we share stories of help and hope for people facing addiction and mental health challenges right here in our community. Hope Ahead is brought to you by the Virtue Center, and I'm your host, Carol Bauman. And I'm Caleb Klusmeyer. And I wasn't always honest about it. You know, when, if we sit down today and we've done it a little look at when she thought I was sober and when I was really sober, they, there's a lot of overlap. There's a lot of gray area there. Um, but, you know, and then we, we, then we, we had our, our first daughter. And, um, you know, I was there for that. But I, a big regret is that people talk about how that is life-changing. And it wasn't for me. I wasn't capable of it. I had, you know, I'd gotten to the point where I had to shut off the bad stuff, and so it shuts off all the other stuff, too. It's a, it's a whole system <laughs> shut off. And uh, I wanted to be, and I loved her as much as I could. And I, and I you know, I, obviously, I've, in sobriety the last seven years, I've had the opportunity to, like the Grinch, my heart has grown. Like, I, I don't have a lot of regret about that because that's how it was. Um, but, but I do know for sure that when she was born, um, I was as present as I could be. Um, and I also said that I was going to be sober when she was born, and I wasn't. And, and then that held true for uh, our second daughter, who was born in 2013. I got sober right at, at when she was a year old. But. And so after, you know, there's that. There, and then we had our daughter. And then um, and right after the trial, it was the following summer in July, uh, no, no, it was in, it was right after the, I, my dates are messed up. Her dad, the rock, the man, um, went to the doctor because his finger was hurting and it wouldn't stop hurting. And, um, it was leukemia and he died on father's day that year. And so the wife, the girl, um, had me for a husband, um, uh, a three-year-old daughter and, and the guy who had steered her ship for so long is gone. And, and I couldn't, I wasn't available. You know, I tried to comfort her by telling her I understood what, how she felt and all this crap. It was nonsense. Like I wasn't, I couldn't be there when she needed me the most. And, and that has an effect, right? Uh, So what do you do if you're her? Well, you likely start shutting stuff off too, because it's just too much. Um, And so our lives went like that and it wasn't all tragedy. um, And it wasn't all drunk every day all day and it wasn't all crashing into the house there were bright spots obviously there's enough to keep hope going but it, it, we were a, a home that was in the throes of addiction and struggling and, and so um, you know I went to I went to treatment centers I went to hospitals I went to meetings and and even I had hope sometimes and then you know we, we come back to that that day that I got the phone call that he had died um, something changed that day and, and so that is, that is the depth of my powerlessness as, as an alcoholic. Um, and and I'll, I'll say this, there was a list. We, we both, for the first time, my wife questioned God in that period where her dad got sick. Our next door neighbor, wonderful man, was rear-ended by a drunk driver and killed. Uh, wonderful, wonderful guy. Uh, her grandfather passed away. Between our two children, we had a pregnancy that, that didn't make it. And, and so it's just pain, you know, loss, grief, loss, grief, lot piling up. And, and I don't know how the best of people would feel, but at our house, we started to feel like, where's our, where's God? Where's God? You know what? 
I can't even go there. I can't even think about it. And I, I had said I was so angry that that this had had become our lives. Um, you know, and my wife, by her own admission, had never questioned her faith in her life, not once, not for a second. And and she did during that time. Like, what is this? When does it stop? When is it over? Um, and it was so so dark. Um, and I and I guess you know we could we could move on to. Um, the last, the last year, I was really trying from, from August to April, to April and I couldn't. <clears throat> and I'd sold my business, and, and I basically drank my business away. I mean, it wasn't going great anyway. So I, I, I sold off what was left, and I went to work for this company who had good insurance and uh, found out about day three I could drink there. Like, they, it was pretty loose. I was, I was out in the field, and then I was by myself, and I was gone, and, it, and nobody ever saw me. Um, I was surveying, so I was, <clears throat> nobody was... Nobody was on the properties when I was there. And so... Um, and I've since been able to make amends to that company, but I, uh, I, in 2014, I, we were in a pattern where I told my wife I'd go to meetings, and, and sometimes I would go, but sometimes I wouldn't, and a lot of times I would just go and I would drink, and, um, but trying to be sober, and, and I, I, it was a Wednesday night, uh, August the 13th, or April the 13th of 2014, and I said, I'm going to this meeting, and, um, and I didn't, and I'd been, I drank at work that day, and then I drank when I got home, and, and I'd, I'd made, it wasn't a deal with God, it was more of a threat to God, because that's how I talked to him at the time, is I know something's going to have to happen to make me stop, and I don't know what it is, I don't, but you better not let it hurt anyone, you better not take anyone else away, and you better not let, you better not let it be anything that can't be undone, um, and that's how I bargained with with God at the time and so what happened that night is um, I pulled into a parking lot and I dozed off I fell asleep and uh, a store owner woke me up and said I've had to call the police are you okay and I said I am okay he said you're not gonna hurt me are you and I said no and I kind of you know realized "Uh uh-oh I passed out in this parking lot. And so I, I did what I should do. I put my seatbelt on, and I, and it was right by my house. And I, I turned on the keys, and I started to pull out, and the police pulled in, and they turned around and followed me because I didn't have my headlights on. And, and I turned into the gas station just right there, and um, that was it. And I, no one was hurt. Nobody was hurt. I didn't, that wasn't my feeling at the time. <laughs> uh, <laughs> no, but that's the, you were I calling was, the shots. And I was an hour and a half uh, late coming home from the meeting, and my wife knew what that meant, and she called, and she was so angry, and then I was in the car, and they had my cell phone, and it was ringing, and I said, do you mind answering that and telling my wife what's going on? And, and he was super kind, and he did, um, and, and I knew that, I don't know what I knew at that time. But, but I did go to jail, and, and I had some issues from way back, some court thing that I fought with my business, property damage that I didn't agree with, and so the way I handled it is I just didn't go because, well, I'd been drinking most days. I couldn't, right. I couldn't show up in a court and defend the $1,000 fiber optic cable to AT&T, so I just, well, well what are they going to do? What are they going to do about it? And, and that's kind of a telltale thing about a lot of alcoholics. In the throes of alcoholism, we don't handle our business very well. Uh, don't handle the the bills and don't handle things real well and so that came back to save my life because uh, I saw the judge and the judge released me of my own recognizance and come back to court Uh, and he said but there's also this matter of 
the cash bond of $1,000. And so <clears throat> my wife was unwilling. It made it, it made it easy for her. It was an easy thing for her to do is to say, I'm not going to take care of that. And I got that. Um, and I don't know if it was easy for her. I shouldn't say that. Um, she needed a good reason to be finished, to be, this is it. Uh, and I think that probably helped. You know, it wasn't just a plain no. It was a, we're not going to spend that money on that right now. Um, or I'm not going to spend that money on that. And so the, um, a, a friend of mine, uh, a guy from AA came and visited, and we talked about it. And I said, I'm going to sign this out to you. If I'll, I'll be out of here if you just go get, go to my bank, make this withdrawal, come back and pay this money, and then boom. So I signed out my property to him, basically. Um, and so he left. He said, okay, and he left. Well, then he talked to his sponsor, and his sponsor is the guy that introduced my wife and I a long, long time ago. Well, he was out of wow. town. He was out of town at some, some meetings in St. Louis, and uh, what he told the guy is a big part of what saved my life. He said, you take his wallet and you take his credit cards and you go to his house and you give it to his wife. Don't get him out of there. Let her do it if she wants to, but give them that money. They need it. And, uh, and so I stayed there. And, and when I realized that, I couldn't be angry. I knew it was the right thing to do. Um, uh, and it started to settle in. And, and I realized after a couple of days that I was going to be there a little. Look, I was going to be there until I wasn't. Um, and I, I prayed. Everything is, is taken away there. And so first off, I've never wanted to go to jail for five minutes, let alone an extended period. But what happened is th those first few days, if I would have gotten out, my plan was you know, I, I would have drank. I would have drank. I needed to talk to her. I needed to smooth this over. And it would have required my drinking some way creatively to do that and because and, I'd done that stuff before. Um, but I didn't have that opportunity. And I ended up, I stayed there. And I don't remember when it was, but I, I had the third step prayer uh, from the 12 steps memorized. I didn't have a Bible, I didn't have a book, I didn't have a phone, I didn't have, didn't have anything. You know, you're just in there with these other people and there are, there's 20 something of them. Um, and most of them didn't seem to care that they were there. And, and I did a lot. And, um, you know, I'm thinking about how my life's gonna be and I know that we're finished. I mean, we, we, we've done all of this until now. Um, there's no question that this is this is the end and that it should be because we don't know what's on the other side of this and we can't risk me being like this with with our family anymore and so I knew it was over and, and I and she had hinted or not hinted said that she was gonna um, get it talk to an attorney and I thought well that's smart like I'll sign whatever I wasn't fighting I was just I don't I don't have any ground to stand on I don't want ground to stand on I'm I want you to be okay, and if, if me not being there is making you okay, then that's what we'll do. And so I, I had the third step prayer memorized. Um, and so I started to say it. And, and I and also thought about my future and you know what was gonna happen. And in that was three options. Um, one was to, when I get out of there, is to leave, but not go too far. Leave so that I could still see the girls, um, and I would, you know, see, go to work and, and send money and all those things. Uh, and I would, I would not drink when I got to see them. And then almost immediately I thought, well, if I could just not drink when I wanted to, then that's what I would have been doing yeah. this whole time. So that's not super realistic, but it's on the table. 
Um, the other one is, is so I could go back to AA and I could really, really try. I didn't believe that it would work for me. I believe that it works. I never doubted that it works. But I thought that my case was different. I had a little different situation. Like, this is different. This kind of stuff is different. And I don't think that it will work because I don't think I can grasp the tenets. I can't grasp the God. I can't, I can't go in for all that stuff. Too much has happened. And so I don't believe it will work for me. But I'm willing to go and try, no matter what, um, as an option. And, and so that I can be sober all of the time so it doesn't matter when I see my kids so that I can always be a good dad. Like, that's the only way. I can't just not drink when they come. And the other was uh, to, to be finished and take my own life. And mm. they were weighted almost equally for me. And, and I knew what that meant. I knew what that meant about where I was in my life. That I'm, I'm, I'm willing to take my life. I'm willing to move away. Um, and then the other is accept spiritual help. It's such an unbelievable dichotomy in those thoughts in that take your life and get sober are on the same plane. Same, yeah. And so I was, God helped me step out of that and look and go, wow, this is what you're, this is where you are right now. Mm -hmm. That's the end. That's it. Um, and so, uh, I, I continued to pray that prayer and um, I'm stumbling over the words now I was going to I was going to quote it um, let me get a start and then I can tell you but I, but I said this prayer and I said it over and over and over and I you know nothing was really happening except that I was praying and I wasn't making any demands of God at the time, um, I, I was just, I had, had really nothing else to do. Um, and, and it helped me to not worry quite as much. And so the third step prayer says, God, I offer myself to thee to build with me and to do with me as thou wilt. Relieve me of the bondage of self that I may better do thy will. Take away my difficulties that victory over them may bear witness to those I would help of thy love. Uh, Thy power, thy love, and thy way of life. May I do thy will always. And I thought, the, to take away my difficulties part really hit me because I thought, man, I have a lot of difficulties. I really, really do. And, and I said that prayer over and over and over again. And, and, and I woke up one morning, and I don't remember the timeline. Two weeks. I was in there two weeks total. April the 14th until uh, Cinco de Mayo, May 5th. And, and during that time, I was able to call and talk to she would let me talk to the girls and, and you know I was on I was on a trip I was on a work trip so they were protected from that by her grace mm -hmm. uh, through God and so and they you know anyway um, I said that prayer over and over and over again and I woke up one morning and I don't know when it was uh, and, and I didn't have immediate thoughts I just had that it was going to be okay it was so far from okay. It was nowhere near okay. I was getting divorced. I was in jail. Uh, I'd certainly lost my job. I'd gotten a DUI. I don't know, you know, I, I have no idea what, the getting out of here is one thing. What about after that? Right. Where do you start and where's the rebuild? And, but I just knew, I knew it was gonna be okay. And some people, some of my friends that are, that are still my friends today in AA uh, came and we just talked and I, and, and I just said, I'm, I'm whatever, you know, I'm here. And when I'm out, uh, I'll, I'll come to a meeting and I'll try to get sober. And, and those things, pardon me. Um, 
it was okay. And then I got out and I did just that. And, and my wife asked, you know, that I don't come there. Uh, but I had a friend who owned a sober living house and I, I talked to him and he said, I'll, I'll have some room next, you know, in about five days. And so the guy who didn't, didn't get me out, who took my money to my wife, he picked me up that day and uh, still a friend of mine. Uh, it, it would look different without all of these people. You know, it, it would just look different without all these people. I don't know what it would look like. Um, but I, I, I got out, he picked me up and I went to my house and I packed a bag and, and it was so quiet. I just thought, because oh. at this point, you know, it's still over. We're, we're getting divorced, I'm sure of it. And um, so I, you know, I, I packed a bag and he said, you know, we, my wife and I were talking about it and, and until you can get in over there, if you want to stay on our couch, that'd be fine. And I, yeah. And so I did. And I, I was just, I wasn't humble. Uh, I had been humbled and I'd surrendered and I didn't have a preference on what was next. I just was willing. I was just willing to go. I was just willing to seek help. And I, and I knew people um, in, in recovery and I knew uh, that they loved me. And I knew that I loved them as much as I was capable of loving anything else at the time. And um, and that was where it began, and I moved into that sober living house, and I had a wonderful sponsor who told me how to go to my house, how to be there, how to be a guest. You don't live there. You gave up that privilege. You don't live there anymore. So if she invites you, go. Uh, ring the doorbell. Say a prayer before you go in uh, to do all of these things and, and, and be a guest. And if you want something to drink, ask for it. And if ask permission. You're a guest. And, and act that way. And I did, and I, and I, I was... You know, God's grace, I was able to do that, and, and that time went on, and I, I didn't live there, but I was I was invited there a lot, and I went every time I was invited, and I, and, and I left before it got too late, and I talked to my girls in, and um, and then one day, and we still don't have any idea how long it was, uh, and we haven't spent too much time dwelling on it, but one day, one night I was there, and we put him to bed, and she said, well, what do you think about coming home? And I was like, freaked me out a little. I thought, I don't know. <laughs> Because I've just been doing this, and this is what is happening. And, and, and that was working. And that was working. And so <coughs> I uh, first I called my sponsor, and I said, hey, here's this. What do you think? And he said, pack your blank and go home. Mm-hmm. <laughs> he said, do it. Go. Uh, he said, let's talk before you do it. And so then I said, well, I need to call Andy, you know, because I'm staying here. And I called him. He's been a friend of mine for a long time. I said, hey, I know. You know, I paid you through then, and I said I would be here till then, but, but today's asked me to come home. Um, what, posi- what kind of position does that put you in? He said, you knucklehead, pack your crap and go home. And I was like, ah. so, you know, the next day I did, and, and, and it wasn't perfect, and it hasn't been every day since then, but what's consistent is recovery. And that, um, you know, we, we, our, our, lives, our lives were just kind of there, and then they took off. And at a, at a year of sobriety, I, I got a... Uh, um, I bumped into my preacher at the church we were at at the time, and he talked about this ministry and asked me if I knew anything about it. And I said, well, no, not really. Um, but you came alone and I came alone. Like, it was the first place I'd gone alone. I just didn't go places. You know, I was like, I used to go places and come home late and come home drunk. And so like, it just wasn't there. And so that, that day, nobody wanted to go to the baseball game with me. The girls, I was like, there's candy. <laughs> and they were, they were out, and, and Danae didn't want to go, and she said, well, why don't you just go? Really? Like, it just didn't occur to me, and I was like, well, I will, yeah, if that's cool with everybody, I'll just go. Well, um, the, the preacher there had nobody at his house wanted to go, so he went by himself. 
and we were in line together and we bumped into each other in line and, and so it was it felt divine it felt like inspired it felt like we were supposed to have met there at that time and um, so, you know, from that, we, we got to work and, and we built this ministry and, you know, my career was kind of, and, and I, I was working, but you know, we, my wife had a, a good enough income that, that I didn't have to, you know, I didn't have to be the breadwinner. Um, I needed to work, but I didn't have to be the breadwinner. And, and so we were able to, you know, scratch this thing together and then it, and it came time and then I was volunteered and I did it and, and, uh, you know, we did it together, and, and we worked at this ministry for a year and before we launched it, and then we launched, and then, you know, people came, and, and we just worked at it, and, and then the church put me on uh, full-time, put me on staff, and, and you know, it was, it, it was like, pinch yourself. How did we go from there to here? And, and, you know, the way that we went from there to here is we put uh, our faith in God. We put our faith in the God that I was certain had abandoned us or didn't care or wasn't paying attention. Um, and and everything wasn't repaired, but we had a family in a recovery ministry. And we, you know, and I, I continued to go to meetings and I continued to sponsor guys and uh, all along. And then came a time uh, not long ago where, uh, a year and a half ago, uh, where it, it looked like it was time to, to move uh, on from that, and I, you know, I really prayed about it a lot, and I wasn't sure what we were going to do. And my, I, all of a sudden, I had no faith that God was in charge anymore, and, and I just didn't understand. And um, so, I'd had a, an old relationship uh, where he had experienced a tragedy, and and um, you know, I reached out to him, and I ended up we ended up back in each other's lives. And so I was, you know, helping him with stuff, and that kind of became bigger and bigger and bigger as he realized he needed more stuff. And uh, so I was helping him, and I'm working at the ministry, and, and we're, we're, we're praying about this transition. Should, you know, do we stay? Do we go? And uh, meantime, this, this guy who's now my business partner uh, brought this idea up, and I thought, yeah, you know, I'm busy. Maybe, you know, we'll, we'll look at it. I'll, I'll get the numbers together for you, and then we'll whatever. And, um, so I got all the numbers together. So during this time of intensive, like begging God, God, you've made everything clear to me from the jump. Since I said I'm in, you've made everything clear to me. And it may not have been clear to other people, but it's been clear to me. I didn't have any real question about it. Now I do. What am I supposed to do? Um, and so working at the church and, 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 and started this other deal, you know, I got the numbers together for him. He said, well, do you want to do it? And I said, well, I think we can give it a run. I think there's probably there's definitely some money in it. We'll just see where it goes. And so now I'm working 80 hours a week and, and I have this office that we built out in the back uh, of, of our property. And, and I'm having this conversation with my wife walking across the yard. And I said, I, and just pretty much what I just said, I said, I don't get it. I don't, you know, am I really supposed to leave the ministry that I think he called me to and this, that, the other, I don't understand. I don't like, I just want it to be clear. And she said, well, think about this. She said, a guy with considerable net worth asks you to be his business partner, um, but it didn't cost you anything. Um, do you think it did make it clear to you already what you're supposed to be doing? Like, that doesn't happen. You know, like, only in this weird spiritual world do things like that happen. And I, I'd never, I hadn't looked at it that way. I was just doing something else for him. I was just trying to help him, which I'd gone into that relationship just trying to be of service to him. And, and so it turned into, you know, this light went on. I was like, well, maybe so. Maybe this is the direction we're supposed to go. And, 
and I kind of drug my feet a little longer and because I, I didn't want to leave the ministry, but I, I did uh, turn in my resignation. And then right at the time that that happened is when COVID hit. And I turned in my, I gave him a month, four weeks, and two weeks into that, the church closed. And so there were no more operations. And so I didn't have to go there. And then um, the new business, uh, my partner had written a book and it came out on the 31st and, and we were selling these autographed copies. And the whole world shut down. And the only place to get an autographed copy of this book now was at our little business. And I was at home. My kids came home because of COVID. We, you know, everybody just landed at home all at the same time with this new direction. And, um, you know, I'm no genius, but, <laughs> you know, it, it fell into place. It couldn't have been orchestrated. I could have worked 10 years to draw that thing out and, and, and try to make everything go the way that it did. And I couldn't have done it. I couldn't even have conceived of the way things went. So, um, again, now that doesn't mean our lives were perfect. You know, right. we're still a recovering person with um, amends that, that living amends that I've had to make or gotten to make. And, and um, you know, every, every season is a new where are we now? And, and we're not finished with this. We're, we're a family that has a past. We're a family that's been through a lot of trauma. We're family who drags around a lot of pain and tries to deal with that the best we can and not pass it on to our kids. Um, last year was a year that we told them everything that happened. They didn't know. Uh, but we had committed to one another that if, anyone, if either one of them ever asked, we would tell them, obviously in an age-appropriate way, what, what had happened in the past. Um, and it turned, it was the youngest one in line at Dairy Queen. We're in the drive-thru. And, and they'd never asked. We, they knew we'd go to the cemetery. They know my mom. They call her Grammy. They see pictures. They have the relationship with her that they can through mm -hmm. stories and through that. And and she just said, Daddy, how did Grammy die? And I went, well, shh. <laughs> <laughs> right here in Dairy Queen. <laughs> and, you know, and it just popped into my head. I said, I'm not going to lie. I, I respect them too much. I have too much respect for them to not tell mm -hmm. them the truth. And how old is to, she? She's eight. She oh, was seven wow. at the time. She's eight mm -hmm. now. And, but she's she's pretty intuitive, you know. She's pretty sharp, and um, um, the other one is crazy creative. But she's not concerned with the details like that. She's never asked. And so she was at camp the same. It was last year because she because our oldest was at the camp that she's at right now that they're both at. Okay. The youngest wasn't at that camp. She couldn't go yet. And so we talked about it some, and she just looked at me and was like. And then she said, did I get sprinkles on my ice cream? <laughs> and, and so I called, I called Diane and said, hey, we're headed home. Um, why don't you get comfortable? We need to talk. And so we sat down at the table and we talked and we talked about all of it. And we talked about that when you hear guns, you hear, you think bad things, but Grammy wasn't a bad guy. She didn't do anything wrong, uh, but there was a bad guy and he did something wrong and, and um, you know, and, and left it there. And, and we've, you know, said if you, if you ever have any more questions, and we periodically bring it up, but it's it was pretty much concluded for now to, to be continued with with her. And then so then when Olive got home, we had a longer talk about it. Uh, she had no idea, and she was you know, and, and so she had some more questions. Um, but it's a part of our vocabulary now. It's something that we know. There's no secret. Right. Um, um, so you know, as we as we move along, there's still so much of that uh, in front of us. Um, that we, you know, we maintain our faith, and, and we know that God has brought us this far um, in our times of real faith, in our times of questioning the faith, in times of frustrating, being frustrated with the faith, with our faith, uh, with the times of being in church, with the time of not being in church, and with 
with leaving a, a place uh, over uh, hurt and, and just wrestling with all of it, but always hopeful. Uh, I think each of us, I think that, that the girl and I balance each other pretty well. Uh, when I'm off the rails, she's right in the middle. It, 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 she's got a way of just getting recentered. Uh, and when she gets off the rails, which is very, very rare, if you listen to this, buddy, you never really do. But the times when, when she is not right where she wants to be, um, there's a there's a bubble that comes around me, and I don't I don't know that I do it um, consciously. It's just uh, you know there, there's a good balance there that, that we're never both quite completely nuts at the same time, um, and, and and getting better at knowing what the other needs more. You know we we, we shifted when I moved back home and, and I was getting sober. There was a lot of focus on me, of course, but my focus was on the kids, like. That you know, and, and hers too. We're we're going to protect these kids from their past. We're going that they don't know about. We're going to protect them from the present. We're going to protect them from, you know, all the bad things in the world. Um, and so our marriage went that way, and we didn't know it for a while. And and so lately, uh, the you know this this year, this new that seven year deal I was talking about is more of a. What does she need, and what do I need? You know. Um, Oh, yeah, we forgot about that part. Well, you can finally come up for air. Yeah. And yeah. look at each other and point out and recognize and address what you each need. Yeah. And, and what do you need from me? What do I need mm -hmm. from you? What, do you? what can you get there? And right. do you need to go there? Where do you need to be? Because now it's more about moving forward instead of looking back. Without a doubt. And, I, and that transition happened, I think, without us knowing it. And... and we have markers. Our, we grew up in this little idyllic neighborhood, all of these kids, and it's just beautiful. And they were born the same summer and the same, like, they've known each other since birth. Well, the first family moved away a year ago. And it was, he got a great job. He had to go. You know, we understood it was what he wanted to do, and it was in Arkansas. And so they left, and it got a little quieter. And then, so our other neighbors are now, like, there's a pod in their driveway. They, they've been building, and... You know, so there's there's a there's a few of us staying, but the nucleus that was across the street and right there, which was five, seven kids, six parents, five dogs, like this whole conglomerate that just hung out in the front yard, you know, and our kids grew up with. It's all they've ever known. And so that's kind of, you know, you're just kind of watching the time pass and physical, tangible things are happening. And we're like, hmm. so this is a different part of our life. Like we just we're in it now. Yeah. The and next so, seven years. Yeah, here's the next seven years. Or, you know, hopefully, you know, God willing, and, and what does that look like? And it does have that feel of, um, you know, new transfer, hopeful, forward. Uh, some of it forced. Our kids are now 12 and are going to be 12 soon and 8. Like, we better be looking forward. Right. <laughs> we got to look at right now, and we, and we have to be, you know, really focusing forward and focusing on one another and that, that our marriage after 16 years inexplicably uh, is still intact. Uh, better than it's ever been, but it, it needs to be nurtured. You know, it needs to be taken care of, and um, by a couple of people who are pretty beat up. You know, and 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 have to to really lean on God, lean on each other, and figure that out, and be vulnerable together, and say, "Here's what I need." I but there's a need. lot of strength in that beat up. You know, I think when you think of beat up, you think weak, wounded. Yeah. But what about you know the strength and the healing, and just the ability to move forward. 
and that's I think there's just some good old-fashioned toughness in there too and I think that <clears throat> I think that that is something there's a right way to say this I think that that is something that is a gift that God has given each of us that maybe we didn't really want or ask for but I do know this in leading the ministry and then just being available we're open with our story I mean her she's the unofficial HR <laughs> for her company because when there's a problem with a kid or a spouse or a family or whatever, word gets out that she's the one they can call. And and in our big circle of friends, you know, I'm I'm one of the ones that, that people know, like, hey, so and so, my cousin or whatever. And you know, the private phone call comes over here on the side and, and we take those calls. But I think for her and I one of these days I think that we will understand or maybe feel um, the full power. And, and blessing and grace and mercy of all of it, of the, the impact that our story has out there on other people. Because they don't, other people don't necessarily need to get mired in the details. When you're dying and you see somebody who's been there and they're on the other side of it, you grab onto it. And so our story is one of those that, that people outside of us have an idea of. Um, and, and we see it differently. We don't see it as as that we're strong or courageous people or that we're whatever. We feel blessed and we feel fortunate and we don't really understand exactly how we made it, that it's been a day at a time and that, um, but there's an understanding that this matters to somebody else, that it's not mine to keep, it's mine to share. It's mine to tell somebody about um, when they need it. It's not mine to go tell the world, hey, stop what you're doing and listen to my story. When the phone call comes or when they need it, it's it's this this thing that God has given us that can reach people. There's a reality to it. There's a truth to it that it hasn't always been pretty. Um, most of it has not been pretty. A lot of it's been hard and a lot of it's been painful. Right. And, and so it's like that part of hindsight where, you know, we don't want to look back. We want to move forward. We were just talking about that. But there is something to be said about the beauty of hindsight and the power that's in that that can push us forward absolutely and there's an obligation for for me personally and i I don't want to speak for my wife but i know we've had these conversations for me there's an obligation that telling that story that particular story but the whole story in general uh it it gives some purpose Mm -hmm. to a ridiculously insane thing that happened for no purpose. It maybe happened over money. He may have done that over money. He may have done it for no reason. Three wonderful people were taken away uh, in that initial, you know, and then then the the loss we had later. But in that act, three people were taken away uh, for no apparent reason. And I don't, I'm not one who will believe that they were taken away so that I could help people sometime down the road. I don't think that's how it works at all. That's, uh, however, if I can, then it puts more in this basket over here. There's more purpose and there's more value and it helps me to balance it. It helps me to think, you know what? You know, that family might not be together if if we hadn't been in their path and if we hadn't had the experience we had. Uh, they're two separate thoughts. Um, it is tragic and it's sad and it's hard. I'd give anything to have my mom back uh, and have her be a grandma to my girls. Um, you know, that's what she wanted to do. That's why she moved here. Um, however, it's not all bad because look over there. There's a bright spot. You know, I think God's got a way of returning that love in a completely different way. Yeah. Um, there's love that exists um, 
through the strength that people get from knowing that we're still here. Um, I don't necessarily think we have the strength or give them the strength. Whatever they can draw from the fact that, well, those guys have been through X, Y, Z, the whole thing, and here they are, and they're still willing to answer the phone. They're still willing to do that. Uh, there, I think that there's some power that, that people can draw from that themselves, whatever it may be. And if that power helps them get closer to God, if that, that power helps their family grow closer together, if it gives them motivation, if it helps them when they're down, uh, well, then that's a beautiful thing. And that, that is love that, that is returned back into this world out of a horrible thing that happened. Right. And so... You know, and I'm not always that philosophical and abstract. Uh, you know, sometimes I think, dude, it is 1030. Why are you calling me? <laughs> but, <laughs> but, you know, then there's that other thought that, you know, because there's an obligation here. There's an obligation to do that. And, right. And the beautiful thing is that our kids, I think, mostly in the right way, have seen their parents serve others. Um, and when they understand the full weight one day of what happened and and, and our motivation for serving others, I think that they'll know that they come from a pretty cool place. So it's not just the mountain, it's the landscape. It's all of it. Yeah. Thank you so much. Thank you for listening to Hope Ahead, where we share stories of help and hope for those facing addiction and mental health challenges right here in our community. You can find more information about The Virtue Center by visiting www.thevirtuecenter.org. We're also on Instagram and Facebook. To share your story, sponsor a podcast, or to contribute to the work of the Virtue Center, please contact Blossom Cruz at bcruz at thevirtuecenter.org. That's B-C-R-E-W-S at thevirtuecenter.org. If you say